You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. All right, let's read from scripture before we sit. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. Philemon chapter number 1 verse number 6. Are you there? All right, everybody read Philemon 1, 6 together. 1, 2, go. Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word. We thank you because the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. Thank you because in the beginning was the word, the word was his God and the word was God. And the same was his God in the beginning and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And that light shines in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it. Lord, we pray that as your word is taught today, it will bring light into the dark corners of our hearts in the name of Jesus. The word dwelt amongst men and will be heard as glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, we pray that as your word is taught today, we would behold your, your son as you would have us see him in the name of Jesus. Pray that as the word is taught today that we are edified and Jesus is glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Is there someone on this side of the church who very recently got an ulcer report? Very recently you got an ulcer report. So, or a stomach-related problem. I'm talking in the last one or two or three weeks. You, you developed a stomach-related problem. Is that you? Is it, did it return or it returned? Please come. Please come. Jesus. Father, lift your hands. Look at me. Open your eyes. Look at me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command that demon to go now. You have no place in this body. And every other thing you brought with you. Go, go, go. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, sit down. You can sit down now. Amen. Please help her to her seat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. How was your week? Stressful as it should be. You live in Lagos State. Don't expect otherwise. Daniel, hi. It's nice to see you. Esther, it's also nice to see you after such a long time. Welcome back to church. We are glad you came. I've forgotten your name. George, yes, that's the name, right? Yeah, it's nice to see you too. Welcome back. We are glad you came. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Amen. God is good. Do you believe it? Yes, sir. Yeah, God is good. Let me take one minute to talk to you about the goodness of God. The Bible says that hardly would you find a man die for his friends. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And therein is the goodness of God. Not that God gives us good gifts. He does. But that's not where we find the full expression of the goodness of God. But the fullness of the goodness of God 
or the full expression of the goodness of God is found on the cross. Do you believe that? The full expression of the goodness of God is found on the cross. And I'm saying that because in our lives, we might go through contradictory circumstances. And it's easy to doubt that God is good. This is not my teaching. Um, The Lord asked me to go this route for someone. It's easy to doubt that God is good. But here is the thing. The first act of God's goodness towards you was undeserved. And you didn't ask for it. You didn't even know to ask for it. If you can trust that God was good enough to send his son to die for you, then you can trust that every other thing you are asking him for, he knows about it and he has your best interest at heart. Do you understand that? Yes. That is, this should be the persuasion of the believer at any point in time that if he could send his son to die for me, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That was Paul's persuasion and it is your persuasion also. So I don't need to cajole God as it were to get him to do things that I think that I need but I need to convince him that I actually need them. You know, growing up I heard a statement that couldn't be more false than it is. And it says, God is not interested in your wants, he's interested in your needs. Have you heard that before? That God will not do what you want, he will do what you need. I beg to differ. Because there are times when God just does things that you want. Because you want them. (laughs) And it's not harmful to anybody. Do you understand it? And the truth is, if, if you've been through life, you'd realize that many things you think you need, you don't. Is that true? Yeah, but God still does some of them. I mean, you thought you needed that admission into that particular school. You finished. What are you doing with the results? Or should I stop talking about that? You are selling wigs now. Should I move on? <laughs> I don't have any problem with anybody selling wigs. I mean, it's a very lucrative business if you do it well. Right? But when it was time to get into that school, you could have sworn that this is what I need for my life. Without this, my future would not be bright. Is that correct? Yeah, but you finished. And then God allowed you. He helped you get into school. And then you finish with the result. And then you're like, I'm done. And it's like, congratulations. So now let me let you continue with the way your life should go. And one door opened here. Another door opened there. And you probably read engineering, but now you're working in the bank. Not as an engineer, as a banker. (laughs) Right? Yeah. God is good. Do you understand? Yes. So you can beat your chest knowing full well that my father sees me. My father cares for me. He anticipates my problems. And many problems that I don't even know, he helps me to solve them. Praise Jesus. Listen, when you have this mindset, prayer becomes better. It becomes easier to pray. One major reason why many people are not very prayerful is because they, don't, they, they want to believe that someone is listening, but they don't really do so. They don't really believe that there's someone at the other end listening to what they are saying. But when 
you come to terms with the goodness of God. The fact that he would never leave me nor forsake me. Listen, that is one of the strongest revelations in the New Testament. That God will neither leave me nor forsake me. So even when it looks like he's sleeping in the boat, he expects me to have faith that he is there. Because he doesn't need to speak for the, for the storms to be still. Do you get it? His very presence is enough. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that was for someone. So you might, you, you're probably going through what seems like a tough period. And you're wondering to yourself that how can they truly say God is good if I'm going through this? And I, 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 I mentioned this last week. Many times um, we doubt God in the middle of circumstances only for us to go through the circumstance and then come out and say, thank God I went through it. So if, if we could, so Paul, um, David rather, gave us, gave us a, a sort of like a, a, a method of thinking. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so you'd realize that many times your, your thanksgiving towards God and your attitude towards God is premised upon your remembrance of all he has done before. Does that make sense? So um, Jesus was in front of Lazarus' tomb. And he says, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. Do you get it? Yes. This man was dead for four days. And Jesus says, thank you because you hear me always. So based on what I know, I, I, I have seen a track record of your goodness. What the devil tries to do is he tries to make you forget the track record of God's goodness. Are you getting this? Yeah. So 10 years ago, it was time to get into school. For those of you that were in school 10 years ago. For those of you that just got into school 3 years ago. Same story. It was time to get into school. You probably failed jump. And did not meet the cutoff to get into that particular university to read that course. And you started praying. And you started saying, God, if you would do this for me, I will give you all my life. I will serve you forever. And you know all those promises we make that we re- really never intend to keep? Yeah, none of us, we, we really never intend. We think we'll keep them. Until he does it for us, then we just, thank you. You are a real G. Thanks. <laughs> and then we move on to the next thing. But then God kept that promise. He did it for you. And then you are in the next fix. What you should do is remember that there was a time when it seemed impossible, but God came through. Do you understand? And so no matter how impossible this particular situation I'm in looks like, I I serve a God that comes through. Are you getting it? Yes. And even if he doesn't come through, he still has my best interest at heart. I will find out later why he didn't come through in that situation. But when I find out, I will realize one thing. He was thinking about me. Do you get it? This is what the Hebrew boy said. Oh king, live forever. He said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. He says, the God that we serve, he's able to deliver us from the fairy furnace. He says, but even if he doesn't, we'll still not serve you. Do you understand? We'll still not serve you. So let this mind be in you. That the God who came through for you last week, two weeks ago, and, and we often forget those little things. 
I think that some of the biggest miracles and displays of God's providence and care come disguised in the most little ways. So miracles like um, I was, you know, those times when you just randomly pray. Has Owu blown you before? Hunger. Has it hit you before? That especially when you are in school, second semester, exam period. Yeah, that's when it hits the strongest. And then always blowing like this, and you're like, God, if I can just see 500 now. And then has it ever so happened that you pray that prayer and almost immediately the money comes to you? Raise your hand if you've experienced something like that before. You know, I consider those to be the I consider those miracles to be more significant than oh a blind eye was opened. Why? Because when you were probably saying it, you didn't mean it. You were you were just like Kai God. You know that thing we all do that God when. It's sort of like God when. You're not really asking God when. You're just because it's a nice thing to say. You're wishing. You were wishing. You were really praying. And then the money came. Don't forget those little times. Do you understand? Yes. Even the ones that look like coincidences, don't forget them. Hallelujah. All right, let's go into today's teaching. Philemon 1 6. It says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. I want to point out something, and it is this, that your walk of faith is a partnership. It says, I pray, um, it says the communication, that word communication there is actually the word partnership. Your walk of faith is a partnership. It's a partnership between you and, number one, the Holy Spirit, and you and the people the Holy Spirit has trained to grow your faith. Do you understand? You must partner, for instance, with your pastor to see growth in your life. You cannot just wish for growth. Is it okay if I come down? You cannot just wish for growth in your life as a Christian. You must partner with your your pastor, for instance, and not just your pastor, but the Holy Spirit to see growth in your life. And last week I told you, uh, we, we started from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 17, remember that? And we talked about how all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's given for what, number one? Number one, for doctrine. Number two, for reproof. Number three, for Correction and number four for instruction in righteousness. And then verse 17 says that the man of God may be complete or perfect, he says, truly furnished unto all good works. And then I told you that the this what we just read presents an idea of a curriculum that there are certain things that as a believer you ought to learn or you ought to know you know, before or at a particular point of your faith. So we can measure your growth. That's what I'm trying to say. Your growth is measurable. And I told you one of those subjects is the leading of 
God. And when it comes to the leading of God, there has to be an active partnership between you and the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? For the leading of God to happen. And so today, I want to talk about the role of consecration in divine leading. Remember, the teaching series is Lessons on Divine Leading. And today, I want to talk about the role of consecration in divine leading. Last week, we read Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Media team, can you, can you put that up for me? Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, for it is God which walketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Is that correct? God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And we spend a lot of time here. Is that correct? And I told you that you cannot begin your journey um, on divine leading without first acknowledging the participation and providence of God in divine leading. I told you God initiates the process of divine leading. I told you God is more willing to lead you than you are willing to follow. However, there has to be an active participation between you and God. I kept making the statement that as long as you are open to being led, you can never miss the leading of God. Remember when I said that? As long as you are open to being led... There has to be a participation. So you read this. It says, for it is God which walketh in you both to will and to do of his divine pleasure. This is beautiful. But there was a verse before it. Can you give us verse 12? It says, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Everybody read the next line together. One, two, go. It says, walk out now your own salvation with fear of course, when he says walk out your salvation, he's not saying walk to produce your salvation or walk for your salvation. But rather, he's saying that there is a salvation inside of you and I want you to walk it out. Let it show. Um, could you give me this verse um, in the NIV? Do we have the NIV? Uh, okay. NLT. I'm just looking for a translation that properly explains that line. Alright, great. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. It says, Work hard to show the results of your... If you are saved, let us see the results. That's the instruction that um, Paul gives here. Hallelujah. But he now says... For it is God that works in you. Are you, seeing the, are you seeing the dynamic now? That there is a salvation in you. I want you to work hard to show the results of that salvation. But the only reason you can work hard to show the results of that salvation is because God is working in you both to do and to will of his divine pleasure. Do you see the partnership? That I cannot just wake up and decide that I want to be a good boy. Or I want to be morally upright. It has to first be a walk of the Spirit within me before it is a walk outside. But when the Holy Spirit has done a walk within me, I must walk hard to allow my external realities align with my internal realities. Are you getting this? Yes. So, when it comes to divine leading, there is 
a place for consecration. Consecration, I mean there is a place for partnership. Partnering with the Spirit of God to see all that the Spirit of God has promised that you will see. Praise the Lord. There's an interesting story that I found in the New Testament. Hallelujah. John chapter 21, we'll be reading from verse 15 to 19. John chapter 21, we'll be reading from verse 15 to 19. Are you learning something this morning? All right. John 21, 15 to 19. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And then Simon said, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. And Jesus replied, what did Jesus reply? Feed my lambs. Verse 16, again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then Simon became frustrated. He said, what's the meaning of this question? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, Jonah, son of John, do you love me? And then the Bible says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me? He said. Peter answered, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. Then Jesus said something very beautiful. Verse 18. He said, verily, verily, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. He says, but where you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else, are you reading this? Will do what? And do what? And lead you where you do not want to go. Listen. A very good measure of spiritual maturity is submission. Are you getting this? A very good measure of spiritual maturity is submission particularly to the Holy Spirit and of course to the authorities that God has put in place for your growth. He said, when you were younger, you went wherever you wanted to go. It's a mark of child. It's a mark of childhood. That as a child, have you ever have you ever raised a toddler before? You guys are both sitting in the sitting room. He hears a noise in the dining room. Just gets up and darts into the dining room. He goes wherever he wants to go. He runs wherever he wants to run. But a mark of maturity is that Monday morning, whether you feel like it or not, you dress up and go to work. Is that correct? Ah, yes. You submit to given authority. So, submission to the Spirit of God is one major mark of maturity. And I'm going to show you why Jesus said this to Peter. He said to Peter, do you love me? Peter said, come on now, you know me, I love you. He asked him three times. And when Peter had answered the third time, he said, I'm telling you something. Truly I say unto you, when you were young, you dressed up, you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you grow up, somebody else will dress you up 
and he will lead you where you do not want to go. Immediately put up verse 19. Everybody read verse 19 together. One, two, go. First and foremost, look at this. <laughs> This was John chapter 21, is that correct? So it's a few days or months, weeks before Jesus' death. Peter had followed Jesus for the better part of three and a half years. Is that true? Then he ended, ended the statement with what? I'm sure Peter is like, What's, with all due respect, sir, I don't mean to dishonor you, but what did they do you? What do you mean by, have I not been following you? But no, I dare say that when Jesus was talking about the kind of death that Peter was to go through, he was actually talking about two things. If you will follow Jesus, there is a death to self that must occur. Do you understand? There is that death to where I want to go and what I want to do that must occur. See, if you don't get this right, you can't get leading right. Because the problem with leading is that a lot of people want God to lead them to where they want to go. Praise the Lord. There's this thing that our parents do that is very common. For those of you that are married now, if you grew up with Christian parents, when it was time to get married, you brought your husband or your wife to be to the house and said, this is the person I wanted to marry. And if they were not, because I've told you before, your parents will not outrightly love the person you want to marry from the beginning. You have to teach them to love the person. Do you understand? Present the person's best parts. You know? You know what I mean? So at the first instance, if you grow up with very spiritual parents, what they will tell you is, have you prayed about it? Let us take some time to pray about it. Now you say, I prayed about it. God told me this verse. He said, no, let me go and pray. What they're actually saying is, I want to go and pray. So God will tell me that he's not the one. Is it true? It's something that many of us do. If you will learn divine leading, you will first of all learn to die to self. Because for many people, they want God. A story was told in the Old Testament. There was a king, I think it was Ahab. He wanted to go to war. So he called, was it Elisha? And he asked him, should I go? Elisha said, if you go, you will die. Um, let me just tell you now. If you go, they will kill you. The guy put Elijah in prison. He said, why do you always bring me bad news? So he went to look for these other prophets. I've forgotten the number, but there were many. About 300 of them. And he gathered all of them. And he told them, prophesy to me that when I go for the war, I will win. And he paid all of them money. Then they prophesied to him that, O king, live forever. Thus said the Lord. You know, there's a, very, there's, a, there's a prophetic voice. You can't just prophesy your normal voice. It must become deep. And your speech must change. Thus said the Lord. As you go, you will surely overcome. And he went and died. Many people are like that king. 
Praise the Lord. You will not learn divine leading until you learn death to self. This might not be a teaching that many people want to hear. And there's a reason why we, we decided to take the conversation on divine leading um, this month, this period. It's because, I told you, we're supposed to be doing something different in the month of December. The reason why we're taking it is because, I told you, next year is a year where divine leading will change everything for you. It will be the difference between success and failure in next year. And I've told you, eliminate the idea that it is hard to hear the voice of God. It's not. It's very easy. Every one of us have heard God speak to us in our lives. He speaks to us every day. Eliminate it. But here's the interesting thing. You will die to self first if you are going to walk with God. That's for if that's a fact. He said, the Bible says, Jesus said this. He said, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you grew, he said, or when you grow rather, he says, someone else, he will dress you up and lead you to where you do not want to go. And the Bible said, this he spake of the death that Peter was to die in glory of God. So before the physical death that Peter was to die, Jesus was prophesying a death to self. And you can see it. Jesus was prophesying a death to this idea of self-justification. You want to do what you want to do what you want to do. You want to be right all the time. Praise the Lord. Some of you you have prayed at least five times. Lord, is it your will for me to leave the country? And all those five times, the Lord has told you no, but you are still praying. What are you, what are you praying for? Like, okay, God will not be like, ah, oh yeah, just go for two years, go. Then, when you not get there, at the end of the second year, you not start again, God. I know you said two years, but is it your will for me to go back to Nigeria? Praise the Lord. There is a call to consecration that divine leading puts on you. I want you to learn this. There is a call to consecration, consecration that divine leading places on you. You can't, you can't just do and act as you would. There is a call to consecration that divine leading places on you. A call to separation. Praise Jesus. Luke chapter 18. There's, there's another story. Luke chapter 18. The story is told of a rich man in Luke chapter 18. Um, the story is actually in from verse 18 to verse 25, but uh, I'll just go through it. This young man, the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Master, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus said, you will keep all the commandments. The guy was boastful. He said, uh-uh, 
commandments. He said, every commandment I have kept since I was a child. You know that's a big deal. None of us in this room can say that. Amen? Amen. Or you want to form that you've kept every commandment since you were a child. That are you in the Lord's army that we used to sing? All those things that we said we would never do, we've done them before. Have you told lies to daddy before? Have you stolen from your mother's pots before? Have you fought in the neighborhood before? Are you still in the Lord's army? <laughs> Praise the Lord. This guy said, all the commandments I have kept since I was a young person. Jesus was impressed. He said, I see. I see. That's nice. He said, okay, there's one more thing. He said, sell all you have and give the money to the poor. Listen, Jesus was not saying that because, oh, one of the ways you inherit eternal life is that you sell, sell everything you have and give the money to the poor. No, if that was it, then Jesus would have preached it more often. Is that correct? So the fact that Jesus did not preach it more often means that Jesus said it to that guy because he was trying to show him an area of deficiency. You may have kept all the commandments, but this one thing is missing. You value your material possessions too much. So he said to him, sell all you have, give it to the poor. And the Bible says, this young man that came with so much ginger to say, how can I inherit eternal life? The Bible says he turned with his head sagged and he was walking away because he had a great many possessions. And the Bible says, Jesus shook his head and said that it is hard for a rich, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to see the kingdom of God. Jesus has no problem with wealth. The person that buried Jesus was a wealthy man. Nicodemus, was he Nicodemus? Um, what's his name? Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea, right? He was a wealthy man, a politician. So Jesus had no problem with wealth. Jesus had a problem with the man's attitude of esteeming his wealth above eternal life. Because what happened when Jesus told that man to sell all he had and give to the poor was immediately in the man's mind, he, he put a scale. And on one side of the scale, he put eternal life. And on the other side of the scale, he put all he had. And all he had tipped the scale. And he said, oh, it's too much for me. Praise the Lord. Listen, a story is learned from there. Jesus will have you value your interaction and relationship with him above every other thing in this world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. He will have you value your interaction and your relationship with him. Because you need to understand that divine leading is an overflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you get it? It flows from that relationship. It's not separate. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not separate. It flows from that relationship. Jesus will have you value that relationship above everything in this world. Praise the Lord. A lot of people hear God's voice very clearly until God asks them to give something out. God has been speaking, you've been hearing him, you've been enjoying the relationship. My God, I love this. Then God said, 
You see that laptop that you just got? Carry it and give it to this sister. She's in need. See, every spirit of lack that is chasing my life, I bind you in the name of Jesus. What you are just saying to Jesus is that, see, Jesus, I love you. And I've given you your part in my life. When we are talking about money, don't talk to me. You cannot, because see, nobody likes to talk to people that are not listening to them. Is it true? Nobody likes to communicate to someone who is not listening. So, if you are going to consistently hear the voice of God, you have to be ready to commit. Praise the Lord. Yes. You must be ready to commit. God, what are you saying I should do? In what way are you asking me to go? This is what changed. This is what drove Jesus' ministry and all the disciples. And sometimes, let me tell you something. Sometimes, the center of God's plan for your life may not be as glamorous as you want it to be. But it is still God's plan. Are you hearing me? Yes. Sometimes the center of God's plan for your life may not be as glamorous. I'm not saying it will always not be glamorous. Sometimes it is beautiful and glamorous to watch. But other times, being in tune with God is not beautiful. Boy, it is the right step. Do you understand? In fact, it is the only step that will guarantee you that destiny that God promised you. And I love God. One of the things God does to any one of us is when he, when he wants to lead us to a particular destination... Sometimes all he does is he shows us what the destination would look like. He gives you an image of what that destination would look like. But how do you get there? You many times not know. You see it happen with Abraham. He called Abraham out and he said, as many as the sand on the seashore, that's as many as, that's how much your descendants will be. Is that true? Yes. Abraham had one wife. How many times is the woman going to give birth for him to have descendants as many as a sand on the seashore? Do you want to kill her? He had just one wife. Is that correct? What Abraham did not know was that that promise was not a promise to be fulfilled physically, amen, but a promise to be fulfilled in Christ. Because if you think that the promise was fulfilled when the children of Israel were, when they, became, when they became a nation, then you've missed it. Because even as a nation, you can still number them, is that correct? But you can't number the sand on the seashore. But the one other thing you cannot number is the number of people who, from the coming of Christ and before Christ, because of faith in Christ, have received salvation. How all of those people before Christ, while Christ was alive, and after Christ, all of them are now regarded as children of Abraham 
because of faith. Are you getting this? That's what God was promising Abraham. Abraham did not know it. And many times, in order to help the visions that God has given to us to come out, we make mistakes. And so Abraham thought to himself, if I'm going to have children, as many as the sand in the seashore, then maybe it's not from one woman. So let's start with Hagar. Because God promised me this thing some 20 years plus ago, and I haven't seen anything come to pass. Which means that I, I can try other routes. So Hagar. And the weather, he gave back to Ishmael. And God said, kudos, nice job. But that's not what I was talking about. Isaac is the one I'm talking about. Hallelujah. So many times, God will show you a vision of your future. God will show you all these great things that he would have you do. Some of you, you've seen, some of you, God put a vision for a company in your mind. And you've seen this very large building with the logo of the company on the top, the name, and then you're like, thank you, Lord Jesus. What you don't understand is that on the path to the top of that building, to building that great company, you will lose money, die. <laughs> that there will be relationships that God will deliberately ask you to forge for the purpose of learning some basic skills that you will need when you grow. And those relationships might not be pleasant, but God asks you to be there. If you don't die to self, you can't follow God. If you are always seeking your own pleasure, you can't follow God. And this is the irony of it all. Anyone who is always seeking his own pleasure will ultimately end in displeasure. Because the one who is always seeking his own pleasure cannot be patient enough to line up with the will of God. And the true pleasures lie in the will of God. So anyone who is always about himself, always about his own pleasure, will ultimately end in displeasure. You've seen them. Some of your friends are like that. All they want to do is party, drink, have fun, and in the end of it all, they tell you everything is all meaningless. Jesus said in this world, whoever holds on to his life, he said he will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he said he will gain it. Do you understand? Yes. So when it comes to the leading of God, whoever holds on to his life will lose it. But whoever lays down his life will gain it. In no small way, Jesus has taught us repeatedly. You know, one time Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is likened unto um, a treasure which was found in a field. Which when a merchant, when he saw it, he said he sold all he had and he bought that field. That's how Jesus expects us to interact with his kingdom. Expects our relationship with him to be like. Praise the Lord. Don't be the kind of Christian who 
for important decisions in your life, you don't consult God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't be that kind of a Christian. It is time, it is time to, it is time to go and do NYSC. You just wake up and decide, I want to work in Abuja. So you walk yourself to Abuja. Praise the Lord. And then you finish your one year in Abuja and you come back and maybe God wanted you in Lagos. Say, no, I want freedom. You know, there's that thing, that's funny thing that people say after school. I want freedom. I've been in my parents' house forever. I want free- that freedom you're looking for. When you taste it, you will run back home. Is it true? Yes. When you start buying your own food and paying your own bills, you will seek your mother's laps. Say, please, help me. So you ship yourself off to Abuja and all the doors that God opened in Lagos, you walk through none. Why? Freedom. Praise the Lord. And this is the funny thing. This is the funny thing. I think, I think one of the worst things the devil can do to you is take you out of God's will for your life but keep you in a comfortable space. Because you would think you are doing all right. Is it true? Yes. You would think you are doing all right. Think of it like this. Imagine I held um, two checks in my hand in an envelope or in envelopes. And you don't know which check is which. But my wife knows which hand is carrying what check. Right? And so my right hand, I have 10 million naira. And in my left hand, I have 10 million dollars. Now, they are both equally huge sums of money, but huge and huge are different. Is that true? So, my wife says to you, pick the one in his left hand, but she doesn't tell you he has $10 million. And then Pastor David is like, come on, come off it. That right, even in our culture, right is the hand of blessing. Is that correct? So, you rationalize and you listen to Pastor David and you take the $10 million and go away. Would you feel like you lost anything? But then when you now realize that it was $10 million that you gave up, how would you feel? Always realize that it is more beautiful at the center of God's plan for you. No matter how beautiful it looks where you are. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, you know, a lot of people think that how it looks like when you get out of God's plan is that everything will start going wrong. Sometimes that is what happens. Are you hearing me? Sometimes that's what happens. But many other times, nothing goes wrong. So if what this care, if the, if it is this care of things going wrong that keeps you in the middle of God's plan, you have not learned it yet. Because a lot of people think, you know, the story is usually presented like this, that many people, they just travel abroad, and they don't know whether it's God's will for them, they will not go there and be suffering. See, the devil is smart. For some people, they will go there and life will work well. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, I know a brother. God called this young man into ministry. He had notable miracles. You know, a lot of people don't realize, but one of the ways you can tell if God called a person into ministry is how notable 
the, the working of the things of the Spirit are in his life. Very, this guy had notable miracles. One of the first times I saw a deaf ear pop open in my, in my front, my two eyes like this, was with this guy. And the funny thing is, he called me to organize the meeting with him. It was a small meeting. We organized the meeting. This young man said he can't hear in, hear in his left ear. He put his hand, said, open. He said, can you hear me? Close your other ear. Can you hear? You know that thing they do? Uh, what did I say? He whispered in. And the guy was hearing clearly. Notable miracles. The young man woke up one day and decided he wanted to do business. Now, when the devil sees someone like that, the devil is not stupid. He's not going to flop or twat your business plans. Why? If he does, then you would know that, oh, this is not the plan of God for my life. Is that true? And you would know. So the young man's business thrived for a while. By the time he realized himself, he couldn't do ministry again. I know many people like that. Many of you who are on fire for God today, when you go out to evangelize, many times you hear older people tell you this thing. They make the statement. Ah, I remember my university days. I was just like this. What happened to you? It's not a thing to be proud about. Spiritual growth is not for young people alone. Are you hearing me? They will say, I was just like this. Some of them will even tell you, I had a call on my life. Then you finished and became a banker. If you're a banker, I don't have any problem with you. Have no problems with you. And so, you became a banker. You started moving up the ladder. Everything was working well. But what you don't realize is that at the other end of at the other end of your um, life could have been. God's perfect and complete leading but you left it for the bank now and this is why let me tell you this is why a lot of people when you write the entire story of their life it is that he was born he went to school he came out got a job had three children grew old and died no impact anywhere Because if we all lived according to God's design, every one of us will leave an impact in this world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. I think it was Muhammad Ali that said this. It's a nice quote. He said that, uh, was, it, was it Muhammad Ali? It was either Muhammad Ali or the prophet Tupac that said it. One of those two guys. That the impact that you make on other people is the rent you pay to live on this world. Something like that. If we all followed God's design, every one of us will leave an impact on someone else's life. I taught, I taught you this when I was talking about writing your faith story. But many times, the problem is that we follow our own design. And we run according to how we want to go. And so, many times, we don't realize it, but what looked like an okay life to us was substandard before God. Because he knew all, he could have, all you could have done. Praise the Lord. Make up your mind today to follow God. 
I think I'll talk more about this next week. But one primary um, thing that you need to have in your life to follow God is bravery. You must be brave, because many times God will give you God-sized visions. Is it true? He will ask you to do things that even you, you know yourself that are. He said, when he spoke to Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, "Uh -uh. I'm a child. You know, when we picture Prophet Jeremiah, we picture an old man with beards. Prophet Jeremiah was a young person, he was a young man. It was to Jeremiah that God said, Before you were born, before I formed you, I knew you and I called you. So don't say, I'm a child. When God called Moses, Moses said, is it that you cannot say that I'm a stammerer? But many times, when God gives you instructions, be bold enough to follow them. I'm teaching you how to make your life worth living. Be bold enough to follow them. All of God's instructions will not always be around church. Because some people, the only leading they used to hear from God is to do ministry. That's to go and start a church. And that's good though. But many times, God will give you other instructions that are outside of, oh, do start a self-fellowship or start a fellowship in your school. No. Sometimes he might talk to you. You know, last week I told you about your desires and how as a Christian, your sanctified desires could be a way God would lead you through. So God starts to put this lead in your heart, a prompting in your heart that there are too many children on your streets that are not in school. What do you do about it? I think next week I will talk more on bravery. Because when God puts that kind of leading on your heart, there are too many children on your street that are not in school. The next thing you say is, ha, ah, me that I'm still struggling to eat. I should not send people to school. School. A whole school. Another fear is, what if I start and I cannot finish it? We'll talk more about that next week. But first and foremost, you must die to self. You must release yourself to be led by God. That God, all you would have me do, I will do. In Genesis chapter 18, um, the Lord was speaking about Abraham. And he, he said that, um, shall I hide a thing from Abraham, my servant? He said, because I know that he will instruct his family in my ways. And all that I have told him to do, he's going to do. That's a paraphrase. Can the Lord brag about you that way? That everything that he has asked me to do up until now, I've done or I'm doing it. Praise the Lord. Listen, this many people don't understand it, but God sees the heart and he knows men. He knows who will carry out his assignments and who wouldn't. And many times, when he has spoken too much to one person and the person is not listening, he just moves to the next person. So, I might not be able to prove this from scripture, but there is a high possibility that there are many people who are walking around, but their destinies are on other people's lives because they disobeyed for too long. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. 
That, okay, so you don't want to listen, but you are available. Do this person's own and do the one that you are meant to do. It's the parable of the talents all over. Are you getting this? Listen, consecrate yourself. Today's this service is is sort of like a solemn wake up call for consecration. Just decide today that Lord, you have my heart and you have my will. I mean Jesus Christ was led to die. The man knew he was going to die from the day he was born. He knew why he was born. He said it many times during his ministry. But on that night when he was to die, he didn't feel like it. But yet he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's what I want you to learn to say. That Lord, it would be nice if I could relocate out of Lagos and go and live in some other state. I don't even want to leave the country. Lagos is too stressful. Let me just go somewhere else. But not my will, but your will be done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. That God, I, I, I really don't want to be in the spotlight. Because a lot of people think that pride is where you want all the spotlight all the time. Another version of pride is that God is asking you to get in the spotlight. Let people see you, preach to them, reach out, do a work. And you are saying, but I'm just but a humble servant. No, you are not. Not my will, but your will be done. But this is the beautiful thing about consecration. It is God that is working in you to will and to do. See, the story of Christianity is that every demand God has ever made of man, he has enabled man to perform. Are you getting it? If you will put your trust in God's ability to perform it in you, you will see it happen. I like how Paul puts it in the book of Romans chapter 8. This is... Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Are you there? Everybody read Romans 8 14 together. One, two, go. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now, many people read this scripture and what comes to their mind is one of two things. It's either if you want to be the Son of God, you have to be led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And then the second one is the mistake they make is that they think that this leading that he's talking about here is um, specifics on maybe direction, what to do next, where to go next, where to live, who to marry. And he says, as many as are led. So they think the led there is that kind of direction. But when you read in context, you see something else evolve. Can you take us back to verse 12? Everybody read verse 12 together. One, two, go. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, 
through the Spirit. Then the next verse now says, For. So, what is the leading of the Spirit in verse 14? If you through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh. Are you getting this? The leading of the Spirit here is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can rise above those fleshy desires and kill them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen. For many of you, the leading of God will involve something that your flesh enjoys thoroughly. First and foremost, for instance, you just received the life of Christ or you decided you wanted to be serious with God. But then there are those vices, those those little sins that have held you bound and down for a long time. And you have been battling them with willpower, consistently trying to consecrate yourself. But the Bible tells us that if you, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh. He did not say if you, through willpower, because you do not mortify the deeds of the flesh by willpower, you cannot fight will with will do you understand you fight will with the spirits pastor I don't know what's happening but I have this terrible anger problem I don't know it just comes upon me and it's like a spirit it's not willpower you might go and see a therapist and the therapist will tell you the next time you get angry stop and ask yourself what would Jesus do or they say stop and count down to 10. Boy, oh boy, you finish your counting and then you go ahead and keep person the business of his life. But if you through the Spirit multiply the deeds of the flesh. So pastor, I have an anger problem. I don't know how to solve it. Leave the anger problem where it is. Focus on the Spirit. Are you getting it? Pastor, I have a lost problem. I have this sexual appetite that cannot leave the sexual appetite where it is. Focus on the spirit. Pastor, I don't know. I can't help myself. I steal a lot. Leave the thievery where it is. Focus on the spirit. What will happen is that the influence of the spirit will grow so much in, your, in, your, in you that one day you will look back and realize it's been a while. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's been a while. Hallelujah. Yes. So Jesus told Peter, he told him this amazing thing of how when you were young, you went wherever you wanted to go. But he now says something interesting. He says, when you are old, another, I dare say the Spirit, he will dress you up and lead you where you do not want to go. So while consecration is demanded of you, it's a work of the Spirit. Are you getting this? It's a work of the Spirit. It says, if you, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something interesting. God is ready to take away all of those contradictions. He just asks that you do one thing. Fix your eyes on Him. It reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. The people of Israel were in some valley... And then snakes broke out and beat all of them. And what happened 
was that all of them began to fall ill and were nailed dead. And Moses, he took a snake, he put it on a staff, and he lifted it up. And he said, if everyone should look to this serpent, they would leave. About 2,000 years later, Jesus was teaching. And he said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. There are many serpents, many spirits that trouble your life. Many vices that you wish you can do away with. Many addictions that you think you can't stop by your own willpower. But there is one spirit that if you look to, you will live. Listen, Moses did not say, try and stop the serpents from biting you. Or throw them away. Protect yourself and look to the serpent. No. He said, just look to the serpent. It doesn't matter if it is biting you, keep looking. Because the more you look, the more you become. Are you getting this? The more you look, the more you become. Because we all, as we behold in the glass, the glory of God, we are transformed into what we see. The more we look, the more we become. And so, that serpent might be biting you. Those little vices, they might be all around you, pulling you down. Keep looking. See, fix your gaze on Jesus. Let nothing affect your devotion. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. One of the things the devil wants to do for you is you with your anger problem. Yesterday you got angry. You broke a plate in the house. You shouted at your mom. You shouted at your dad. You stormed out of the house. Then you came back to your senses. You said, what's going on? Why is this always happening to me? And then the next morning is devotion time. That night it's time to pray. Your alarm rings. It's time to pray. You look at it. You want to start praying. The devil says, you... You, don't you know the Bible says that those who are dis- disobedient is like the sin of witchcraft. You are not just disobedient, but you insulted your parents. You want to pray? What do you do in a moment like that? Look to Jesus. Do you understand? Don't look to yourself. In a moment like that, what do you do? Christ Jesus died for my sins. Including this one that I just did now. My righteousness is in him, not in myself. I can pray because he gave me access. Even when I didn't deserve it, he gave it to me. So I'm looking to him and I will keep praying. What will happen? Let me tell you, it is inevitable. When light jams darkness, darkness gives way. And so when there's so much darkness in your life, all you need is light. Do you get? The problem is this. Many times we sit looking at the darkness and wondering why is there so much darkness? There is so much darkness. What do I do about this darkness? No! Look to light. Let light flood your soul. Are you getting this? Yes. That's how you stay consecrated. A lot of us, many times, we are afraid to begin the journey with Christ because we've tried it several times before. You rededicate your life, you backslide. Am I saying your story or not? You rededicate your life, you backslide. You get serious, you stop. You get serious, you stop. And so, you come to church. And then pastor is preaching about consecration. How you are to die to self and fix your eyes on Jesus. And you're saying, this is really nice. I've been there before. It's really nice. I know what it feels like. I want it. The problem, however, is every time I start it, I make a mistake and I backslide. That's where the problem lies. The problem is that you keep on fixing your eyes on yourself. So how about you try this? 
God is able to keep me from falling. Listen, even when I make a mistake, God is able to keep me from falling. It may not feel like it. It may not look like it, but God is on my side. Do you understand? You see, because the grown Christian is not one who has never fallen. No, the grown Christian is one who fell seven times but got back up. Hallelujah. The righteous that are as bold as a lion fall seven times and get back up. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the boldness that they have doesn't come from their infallibility. No! The boldness of the righteous doesn't come from the fact that he is sinless. The boldness of the righteous comes from the fact that God has made him righteous. Listen, if you will pay attention to what I am teaching you this morning, divine leading will be a breeze for you. God, where, you know, many of us want to say, God, wherever you would have me go, I will go. But we are afraid. Not because we don't trust that God has our best interest at heart. No, we, we know it. We are afraid that when we make that commitment, we will go back on it. But see, this is a better way to say it. God, I know that you will help me. Jesus was, see, I have so many experiences from scripture. There was a man who came to Jesus and asked to be healed. And the man made a statement that all of us must learn. Jesus asked him, do you believe? The man could have looked at him like many of us try to do. I said, me, I'm a man of faith. I believe. Heal me. No. He said, I believe. Help my own belief. Do you understand? That position where we stand and we say, I will do my, I will do my best, but I know that I can only do my best because of you. So even when my best is not good enough, I know you are good enough. Are you getting this? This is the stance that a Christian must take. We don't boast in flesh here. Do you get it? We don't boast in our flesh. What do we have that we were not given? We don't boast in our ability here. None of you is good enough. None of us is good enough. Hallelujah. But when we look to Christ, we are the best that we can ever be. Praise the Lord. Father, I commit my hand and my life to you. Just go ahead and pray. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every step that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my life, I give you my soul. I live for you alone Every breath that I take Every moment I'm awake Lord, have your way in me Father, as a church 
Lord, we just want to say that we are committed to your plan for our lives. And Lord, we rededicate ourselves, we reaffirm our commitment to following your plan for our lives. To remain steadfast, to remaining focused in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.